and welcome into Mustache, the drinking podcast. Andrew and Quinn here as usual. We've got a big episode today, Quinn. We're starting in our mini beeries. We have a, a, a wonderful guest with us today, but uh, before we get to him, Quinn, the mini beeries, and I said it without even scoffing and i hate you for that i want you to know that i know i'm i'm amazed i i expected more pushback but i'm glad to see you're so slowly falling to the dark side here. god damn it and uh, with that me wanting to jump out this window i will bring in our guest today it is ryan uh, ryan is a a connoisseur of ipas ryan how you doing today doing well thanks for having me here andrew and quinn Hello, everyone. My name's Ryan. I'm less of a beer expert and more of a fan. So I will be talking about some of the things that I love about IPAs. Um, they're actually probably my favorite beer right now. Really, I started drinking them um, in the last couple of years here, and it was really because of my dad. He would, they were his favorite type of beers, and he'd always have them and have you know, strange ones with strange names that he'd have me try. And I, I didn't like the flavor for a long time because they're kind of hoppy or bitter, more of them. But as I've gotten older, um, they've really grown on me and I've explored some of the different styles and really, uh, really enjoy them now. I awesome. will give IPAs this bit of credit. They have some of the best names. I can't disagree. IPA names are crazy and they're always super weird and uh, they're like, and they always, sometimes they have like their brew in there too. So it's like, you know, like crazy hops, 46 double, double or something like that. And you're like, what the hell is that? And I was like, Oh, it's just a double brewed double IPA, man. Just try it. And uh, Ryan's definitely a hipster for drinking IPAs. So we've, we've been calling him a hipster, hipster dad for a couple of years. So I think he fits the bill pretty well. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that brings us in. Ryan, we're fans, too. So I, and, and I know you know that it's not like I'm an expert. It's not like Quinn's an expert at doing this. It's not like we're not like we're even like beer reps or anything. We literally just uh, enjoy drinking alcohol uh, that is good, not just to get destroyed or or fucked up. But uh, th that's what this is about. It's about fans talking about talking about liquor and, and how to make drinks. And we bring on some more professional type people that we did in the mixology series, but we're going to bring in some fans in this, in this, uh, mini beeries as Quinn says. So uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it's going to be good. Quinn, do we have any beer experts coming in? I mean, not, maybe not experts, but like people who uh, well, no straight up like, uh, Cicerones or anything. Um, though I do have a super taster lined up. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. All right. So that's about the closest we're going to get. But with that, we will roll right into what we are drinking today. And I will defer to Quinn to start what we're drinking today. I am drinking orange juice because I woke up half an hour ago because <laughs> I was playing D&D &D until like 3 a.m. for my birthday because people can't get together in person. And it was an idea I had to hang out with friends. <laughs> I'm playing D and D. It we started very late because most people forgot. <laughs> that sounds about right. Good. What's God. your What's your D and D character, Quinn? 
Uh, last night, I played a wooden warforged named Titanius Anglesmith, fancy man made of cornwood, which is a Futurama reference for anyone who has watched way too much Futurama like myself. Uh, but but then I, I also have a number of other characters as well in other campaigns, though I primarily am the DM. So it was nice to actually get to play and not just be stressed the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, um, that's great. You know, I did a campaign in college with Quinn where we did a superhero D&D session that he was the DM for. And since then, that was my first D&D campaign ever. And since then, I've started a group with some friends and I'm doing a changeling warlock with Max Charisma. I'm um, doing so, a changeling warlock as well in one of my campaigns. Hell yeah. So it's just fun being able to shapeshift and then try and seduce or intimidate everyone. Basically is how I play that character. My favorite is uh, changing into looking just like someone who's really proud of like being a, a full elf and being like, you're not special. And then shapeshifting into a full elf and then into a dwarf being like, yeah, see, fuck you. In one of our most recent sessions, we were trying to get lodging at an inn. So I took the form of a voluptuous elven maiden and seduced a drunk man to buy in a hotel room, then took his form and proceeded to turn my eyes black and give him a vision of what growing old and rotting would look like and then scared him out of the room so I could get the party in there. Hot diggity damn, I'm going to steal that. What the f <laughs> I also have uh, some, some minor illusion spells, so that combines, I like to really uh, trip people out. You know, take their forms. Um, I've got a, I'm a pact of a of a fiend, so it's fire based and demonic possession and all sorts of stuff. But it, it's a lot of fun. I went pact to the genie, so I actually live in a ring that I wear. Actually, yep. So I showed up to the party, uh, in in like UPS package someone received an envelope that had a ring in it. And as soon as they opened it up, I popped out of the ring. I was like, ah, it's good to be here. I'll be taking that. Excellent. That's fun. All right. Um, now that all of our listeners have left, we're going to back to the beer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what are you drinking this morning? So this morning, because... I was informed that this is a drinking podcast, so I had to have beer this morning yeah, only right. to find out. Quinn, you little bitch. I've been misled. <laughs> but this I'm morning, happy, I am... I'm happy to fuck with you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't, wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> this morning, I am drinking the Tropicopia from a local brewery called Venn Brewing. And this is a New England double IPA with Strata, Lotus, and Citra hops. So it's a real, with the name Tropicopia, you know, you're instantly brought to tropical or fruits. And that's very much what this is like. So the New England styles of IPAs are a little sweeter or fruity. They're also called hazies. So this one has hints of pineapple and orange. 
and a strong hops flavor, but it's not very bitter. It's much sweeter. So if you're newer to the world of IPAs, that's where I'd recommend starting with the New England. Those are personally my favorites. And that's what I'm drinking this morning. Awesome. Sounds good. Um, I am not an IPA fan, as we've gone over before. My hop, uh, my hop max is usually about uh, IBU of 10. So we're really pushing the boundaries here is this IBU for what this is probably like 85. Um, but I'm drinking Ryan is actually my roommate. I know we've touched on this in last episodes, but Ryan is my roommate. So he's just in the other room here and he bought a Slugfest Summit Juicy IPA. <clears throat> so that's what I'm drinking today. It's an unfiltered IPA with uh, citrus hop punch. Its IBUs are 38. Oh, that's really low, Ryan. Actually, I thought it would be higher. So well, that's that's why I like these new England and East Coast IPAs. For this is a session IPA, which is a little different, but um, it is going to be a sweeter with the juicy. And they're usually less bitter. So the IBU is like a think like a bug Bud Lighter or Coors. I don't know what the actual Seven. IBU is, but probably like five. I was going to guess five. Yeah, under ten for sure. Yeah, I IBUs is the international bittering units, which is about how bitter a beer is, and that's what when you think of an IPA, you think of the bitter, the high IBUs. But with East Coast, it's about thirty to forty, where West Coast can get up to you know eighty or higher. So compared to the seven of you know a bud lighter occurs there you can see kind of how they how they fit in on the spectrum there all right so it smells sweet i can smell some of that hoppiness in the nose but it smells like that you can get those juices that hop punch that it was talking about i think really comes out in the nose of it so i'll give her a I'll give her a sipper here I put her in the glass, a little bit of it at least, so that uh, I don't have to finish the can. Because I don't think I'll be able to. Okay. So that one's not bad. Quinn, I'm pretty sure you would really like this. So that bitterness floats right across the tongue. And uh, it's kind of sits in your mouth with a little bit of a little bit of dryness and that bitterness, but it's got a nice, it's more of the taste of the hops than it is more of the bitterness. I don't know how to differentiate the taste and the bitterness, Quinn. It's, the it kind of feels like the same thing. No, the, the, it's sitting on the tongue as like dry, kind of like a dry, if that makes sense. And it, it kind of tastes, I taste the bitter. But when I taste the bitterness, I just think of hops. And you said you don't like the taste of hops. You'd rather just have the bitterness. Right. That That's the one thing that keeps me away from IPAs is I dislike their, like, number one ingredient. <laughs> so, like, I think you'd like this to a point, but you'd probably get sick of that hoppy taste, obviously, the thing that keeps you away from the IPAs. But this isn't terrible. 
that juicy the juicy part of it does keep it at a level that's like reasonable to your your um somebody who's not a huge fan of ipas like ryan said i think this is a good better place to start with the juices of the new england's or the citra ipas uh, might be a better option to start and uh, this one fits a pretty good level here looking at the history now of ipas there's a whole broad spectrum and it's going to be it's kind of a deep story and the name is something that's fascinating that you probably don't understand quite right we will get to that in one second but i will defer to quinn here as we uh hit on the history of ipas um so i don't know a whole lot about the history of ipas i do know that the the myth about hops being used as a preservative to ship beer to india is a myth because one, it wasn't used for that, and two, it's actually not in a high enough concentration to actually work as a preservative in the beer. Um, so I'm going to then defer to Ryan. Ryan, what can you tell us about the history of IPAs? So as Quinn talked about that myth, that's very true. You know, I thought I'd heard the anecdotal story, you know, from my father probably, about drinking IPAs that the British needed to keep their beer good when they sent it over to India. So they started putting hops, and because it's a natural preservative, it kept it, and that's how it got its name. That's true that the India Pale Ale name, or IPA, comes from that in a way, but India really wasn't that big of a beer market. At the height the largest brewery in England in the 1800s would produce 100,000 barrels of beer a year. Now, keep in mind, this is just the largest brewery in England, one of several. The entire demand for India was 10,000 barrels a year. So it was about a tenth the supply of the largest brewery, really a pretty small market. And though IPAs were popular there, they really didn't didn't flourish or it wasn't a big market to really catapult their success. Now, a little bit about beer going to India, because that was a factor. One of the reasons that the most popular beers didn't keep well, such as like brown ales or stouts, is that when you're going to India from Britain, you're going through sea temperature that is drastically lower. Then as you get closer to the equator, it warms up, then cools again. And what this means is that the beer in your barrels on this journey is being heated and cooled very drastically and spoiling and not fermenting properly or having good flavor so a lot of the brown ales and the stouts tasted like shit when they were over in india as well as due to the climate and warmth you know when you're when you're cold and you want like a hearty beer to drink on a stout or a brown ale can be great but if it's hot weather and you've been working hard or outside in the sun that's really not very appetizing so they started experiment people brewers started experimenting with putting more hops in their beer to try and keep the beer good over in India but 
as I said earlier, India was never a very big beer market, you know, so they tried some experimentation. They put some hops in their beer, but it wasn't real popular. Well, they gained popularity, the IPAs, when a train line was built between where a brewer was building his brewery and trying out these hops and these IPAs connecting the tra- and there was a train line built connecting it to England. So basically you had a huge beer market with an easy way to transport your beer up to that market. So really the success of the IPA comes down more to marketing versus preservation. So these brewers started to market the beer as India Pale Ale, something more exotic, something more unique, something that, you know, the locals drinking their brown ales wouldn't have tried before, something foreign with more flavor and different flavor. And the flavor really caught on and people started to like the IPAs a lot in England. So do you think that since it was mostly a marketing use to use India pale ale, that a lot of the con- like early consumers were like, oh, cool, this is a beer coming from India to me. It's exotic. <laughs> I think that's definitely an association people would have or, you know, it may, I mean, just what if you were told you can have a brown English ale or an India pale ale and you're, you know, a working class factory worker in England, you know, it sounds much more, much more glamorous or unique. And that's kind of how the IPAs were advertised, you know, is trying something else, something foreign, the taste of, you know, kind of a higher life. Kind of that, that trendy beer. Exactly. And what, what I thought was interesting is, you know, that's kind of how IPAs started in England. And that trendiness or hipness has really stuck with them as a type the of beer. Of hops. The hipsterness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so being, being hipster just seems like it's ingrained to this beer. And I... It's interesting learning the history and seeing how how far back that progresses. So fast forward a bit, you know, they're over in England, but even then they were never super popular or widespread. You know, it kind of died out for years. It was popular for a while. There was a big boom. And then you had this kind dream prohibition and everything you had in the 1920s. Later on, you had this big dip in the beer market. Well, eventually, after things I wonder and after, after <laughs> exactly, it's almost like making something illegal is bad for business. <laughs> um, Unless you're Al Capone, then it was great. That is true. <laughs> Thanks, Prohibition. Thanks for introducing organized crime. Oh my God! Oh, and fun fact for our listeners: Prohibition was actually started by a man from Minnesota. Me, Andrew, Andrew Quinn and I's home state um, started as the Volkstead Act. So one of our own started national prohibition. Yep. Bastard. Yep. And the irony of it is the uh, the corn Al Capone exclusively used. He exclusively used Minnesota 13 corn for all of his bourbon. 
which comes from central Minnesota, actually the area we all went to college. <laughs> wow. Yup. That's good. The Minnesota playing both sides. That's good. So happy about that. <laughs> The resurgence when IPAs, when the India Pale Ales really started to gain popularity and the trend started popping again, started now in like the 80s or 90s. And basically, so before I get ahead of myself a little bit, you know, you may remember that there are four ingredients in beer, and that is wheat water hops and yeast so the hops that you're using to brew your beer are a similar plant to a cannabis or marijuana plant they're in a similar family and the strong aromas and oils there are similar scents and they're a similar plant who that grow well in similar conditions so on the west coast in the 80s and 90s you have this perfect climate for growing hops but people didn't realize it until then and then you start having some of these west coast brewers experimenting with growing hops and experimenting with trying it and that's where these west coast ipas come out of and the u.s's resurgence in ipas starts so some of the breweries you may recognize there would be like Sierra Nevada or Stone, where in the 80s and 90s, they start experimenting with more and more hops, putting these in their beer more, and really focusing on the flavor and variation. There can be dozens, if not hundreds of varieties of hops, all with different aromatic properties and notes of flavor and scents and oils so breweries start experimenting with cross-growing and growing their own hops and types of hops and it really led to this cultural resurgence and growing your hops is is not terribly hard you just have to have more of a a summer season than we do here in minnesota <laughs> actually hops grows pretty well in minnesota it, it, it cold. I know a number of people who cultivate of hops, hops uh, actually at their houses for growing their making their own beer. There's different kind of hops, correct? True. Ones that grow in the winter, in the colder, and ones that grow in the summer. Am I wrong? Am I right? I mean, there's certainly some that are more hardy, so they'll be able to get a longer growing season in a state that decides to say "fuck you" on a dime. Because I worked when I worked at the brewery. We grew hops on our patio and uh, um, our brewmaster said they just didn't have long enough to age enough to be mm. mature enough to use in like a beer that we would make for the restaurant. Okay. So that's where I got that from. But And Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the like resurgence of hops or of IPAs in the US with the West Coast IPA. That's when hop or that ipas in general started to trend away from simply using hops as a bittering agent to using it to try and achieve certain floral notes exactly you're exactly right quinn so to get into 
the brewing and process behind how hops are used. Traditionally, when you're brewing a beer, you and it is fermenting, you know, you're heating and cooking the ingredients together. You put the hops in to add the flavor and they're boiled in there. So this is where you get a lot of the bitterness of the hops out. So if you're trying to brew a beer that is more bitter or has more of those hoppy notes, you're going to put more hops in in this brewing process when it's boiling and you're boiling it all together. And that'll really bring out the bitter flavors and notes. Now, there's another technique of using hops in brewing called dry hopping. And what you're doing there is you're taking basically a big bag of the hop flowers and the hop plants that have been dried and you're putting them in right into the barrel of beer as it's brewing in usually a big like a big sack and you're setting it inside the brewing barrel and letting the beer move freely through the sack and just soak up in the hops and so basically the, the hops introduced in the mash bill when you're building the mash will add in the like the palate parts of it, such as the um, mouthfeel and the bitterness. Whereas if you add it in, in secondary to dry hop, that's when you're going to start pulling the essential oils and the floral notes. Exactly. So, and this kind of, usually West Coast IPAs are the more bitter ones, the ones with the more hops that's used during the malt process and used when you're boiling your malt and ingredients together and then the dry hopping with the oils that are picked up and it soaks in but dry hopping is a relatively new technique because the thing about hops and one thing about oh the other thing about ipas that really led to the resurgence and the boom in england as well as here now is the short brewing time so to brew a stout or a brown ale, you're usually taking about six weeks. And an IPA can be done in two weeks. So it's about a third the brewing time, meaning that you can adjust your batches and play with flavors as well as crank out volume way quicker than if you were brewing a different type of beer. So that's one thing that led to their popularity in England back in the day and continues now, is that if you want to brew an IPA, you can have a beer ready to drink, you know, after a two-week brewing process versus three times that for a stout or a darker beer. So this lets people experiment more with flavors, try different things because there's a shorter brew cycle um, and makes it easier to get to the bottling and distribution stage. So that would definitely explain why, like, newer breweries have, like, maybe one brown or one stout and like 18 IPAs. Exactly. <laughs> so with the popularity and the ease of brewing, it's kind of a no, a no brainer there. You know, you can have one batch of brown ale or three batches of IPA in the same amount of time for similar ingredients. Now where IPAs get more expensive is this dry hopping because the most expensive ingredient for IPAs are the hops. Hops are expensive and you need very large quantities of them. Now, you may have heard of like a double or a triple IPA. 
And that means that the amount of hops used is doubled compared or tripled compared to a standard IPA. So you're using a massive quantity of hops for some of those beers and the flavor of profiles will show. And I mean, it's kind of funny that it's so easy to make IPAs and it's like hand in hand with being the most popular beer you can get on the market today, like one of them. Well, and I think some of these techniques like the dry hopping, when you're having the the hops give off their oils into the beer, you can do a lot more with flavor profiles or experimentations with different types of hops and different flavors. The dry hopping, that's how you get like this tropical or the juicy like you're drinking, Andrew, or like I'm drinking with those fruity notes, those floral notes, they'll pick up from those oils in the hops and really give it that good flavor. But the other thing with adding hops is that hops produce a bacteria that ferment that increases fermentation. So the more hops you have in a beer, the more alcoholic it's going to be usually as well because of this bacteria and the sugars. So when you hit a double or a triple IPA, for example, you know, my double IPA that I'm drinking right now is eight and a half percent. So that compared to, you know, it's almost Coors or Budweiser, you know, that is, that's a hefty beer. You have one or two of those and you're, uh, you're pretty good there. That's uh, like double the amount. And I know that, um, like when I think about a heavy beer, I think about like, like Quinn just said, a dragon's milk, which is like 11, but yeah, 11 eight, and a half to 12. Yeah. Like a seven plus is probably like you're in a, you're in a, a very alcoholic type of beer. And I was at work the other day and we just got uh castle danger coffee or coffee. We just got castle danger cream ale on tap, which is a fantastic beer. I have a love <clears throat> those that actually next to me. Fantastic. Ryan just bought one the last week. Yeah. It, it's just a great beer. Uh, to just enjoy. And, uh, um, one of our bartenders, like, she was like, oh yeah. And just be careful. Cause they're a little bit higher in percentage. And I was like, wait, they are like, what are they? And she's like, oh, they're 5.7. And I was like, oh, no, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) That's the funny thing. You know, I noticed that especially where, you know, in Minnesota, you can buy gas station beer or grocery store beer, but Mm -hmm. that is 3.2% alcohol, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think a natural light is like four... 4.1, 4.2 is the classic, like, light beer domestic. Okay. Yeah, so that, you know, you were having double that. Yeah. In an IPA. Yeah. So that IPAs and stouts and my love of drinking those drastically changes my scale of what I think high percentage beer is. Yeah. I, I mean, I had... I was at the craft beer festival in St. Cloud and there was, I think a sour there. I thought it was 16%. Jesus Christ. And it's like, how could you, how could you even, even drink that? You know, you, you buy a four pack and you have like two cans and you're, 
I mean, you're good. <laughs> you know, and they talked That's about how <laughs> it's all about efficiency. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So comparing that to a traditional lager, you know, it's like a 4.2%, you know, where you go out and you have a few Budweiser's or something and you drink, you know, six to eight of them. Um, you know, here's the story. I went to Cowboy Jack's in Minneapolis and was having beers with a couple of my friends out there. You know, they had Budweiser's and then they had an IPA that they brewed. Well, I like IPAs, so I stuck with those while they had Budweiser's. And if you're trying to keep pace with somebody who's drinking Budweiser's when they go up for a drink and you're drinking IPAs that are, you know, about double the percentage, you're a, that's a losing battle there. It's just a matter, it's just a matter of time until, uh, until you are a lost cause. <laughs> just, just dead on the floor because you're trash drunk because you were drinking two or three beers to their one. And I'm sure they're they're pushing you too. They're like, "Oh, you got to drink more. You got to drink more. You got to keep up with yeah. us." <laughs> well, and and IPAs. I never, you know, if I'm going out and I know I'm gonna have a few, maybe I'll start or have an IPA or two. But you really don't want to stick with them. Nobody's because... getting nobody's getting fucked up on twelve IPAs. You oh, that would be so painful. Session IPA. Oh, that's true. That's true. What Quinn? Unless you're drinking a session IPA, which average about a five percent. Yeah, there's like, session beers, so they're specifically built to be able to drink a series of them. Since session beers origins come actually from miners and people working in factories, they like uh, Guinness in particular. Uh, they they created a beer that you could have a one or two over your lunch break and get back to work and be okay. They're really I didn't know that able to drink for an hour or two and get back to what you're doing. <laughs> I love that that was their thought. And then like, that's definitely well, they, not something you should be doing. <laughs> oh, definitely not. But I would say I would definitely rather my miners be drinking a, a low ABV stout as opposed to an high ABV stout before returning to the mine. Yes, ideally, they would have neither. I yes. Also, ideally, I wouldn't own a mine. <laughs> ideally, there is no miners. But <laughs> oh god, what a terrible job! Yeah, they can drink whatever they want. I literally don't care. They're you doing know, they're doing awful work. I've never had a job where I can um, go out and have a couple beers over my lunch break. I've done work happy hours and stuff. Maybe maybe it's just me. But if I had two or three beers over lunch, going back down into that mine shaft, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm kind of I'm balancing whether that would make me want to leave or having two beers would make me just fine with busting ass in a mine. And I don't know whether if I can it answer. It, worth it or worse. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure. And that's what I'm trying to think of, you know, because I've busted I'm my ass in warehouse jobs and stuff. Uh, might lead us to it makes it more worth it. I don't oh know that. God. You know, it's What's pretty that? easy to do some manual labor with a little uh, little beer in your belly. Or I've definitely been paid many calls times it manual labor with beer. That is true. Or as my dad calls it, a bowl of loudmouth soup. 
Oh my God, your dad. Jesus, this is a good point to roll us right into our next topic, which is going to be types of IPAs. And session IPA is on there. I, like I said, I am drinking a session IPA. Uh, that ju- this juicy is only a four point seven, so that's a lot lower than uh, Ryan's or that sixteen percent we were we're talking about a little earlier. But we'll roll right into our nine different types of IPAs, and uh, Quinn nine is a lot, but there is a right, and we actually have ten, so we have a little bit more. Perfect. So we'll start right off with you and the English IPA at the top here. Uh, so the English IPA, this is the original IPA. Generally, we're looking at a 6 to 7% ABV. Um, they're, they have a little bit of the earthy and citrus notes, though the hops is a lot more pronounced in the bitterness versus the flavor. Um, and then we move into the West Coast IPA. This tends to use the sea hops like Cascade, Citra, and uh, Sinook. And these are a lot higher in the citrus aroma and floral notes. Um, and they, they can get pretty cannab- cannabis-like. Uh, they have a certain funk or skunk to them, um, which can almost verge on being kind of a little bit piney. Um, these are a lot higher in bitterness units. However, you start to see a transition in the West Coast IPAs to using the hops for those floral notes and that flavor, um, like Ryan described with the dry hopping. But it's really when you get to the East Coast IPAs that you start to see a more pronounced change from bitterness to floral. Um, Unlike the West Coast IPA that primarily uses an inert yeast in terms of flavor, so something that's not going to really change the flavor much, kind of like a champagne yeast, Um, you see the East Coast IPAs actually start to use yeasts that do impart floral, citrus, and fruit notes, often like a stone fruit, sometimes more of a berry flavor, um, or other tropical notes. Uh, But these are lower in bitterness and tend to be a bit higher in ABV uh, because that dry hopping process is used where they start to pull those floral notes um, and then we move into the, the double IPAs and the triple IPAs. Uh, the double IPA is about double the amount of hops used. So you can either use it to procure a super fucking bitter beer or a beer that has a lot of hops notes to it. A lot of the nose. And then same thing with the triple. These are generally your strongest ones. Though I have come across a quad IPA. Um, oh, God. It was about 18%. A friend of mine made it. And I already dislike IPAs. So quadrupling the amount of something I dislike in it. Not help. But they enjoyed it. And they all could have about one glass. And that was it. Like I said, I think it was between like 15 and 18%. Um, Whereas a triple, you're going to see it pushing around 12 to 13, uh, which normally is right there at about the most you're going to be able to yield from a yeast before it starts dying off in the alcohol. Um, But I don't know what kind of yeast they use. I assume it had to be a champagne yeast, something that can push that higher ABV. 
to get that quad IPA. Uh, if anyone out there wants to make one, let us know what yeast do you use and how far can you push it? Uh, so finally, we move into some of our like more flavor note style IPAs. Uh, you have your session IPA. This has a big dose of like hops flavor. However, it only sits about the 5% IPA. Uh, it uses the hops primarily for those floral notes, not so much for the bitter. And then you have your black IPAs, which actually aren't IPAs. Uh, they're Cascadian dark ales. Um, and these have hints of the IPA flavor to them, though alongside with a lot more roastiness. And they're often described as picking up a grilled peach flavor, uh, which that actually sounds kind of good to me. I've never had an IPA. The only ones I've actually had and really liked have been a malted session IPA. So I, I might try a black IPA. Malted peach. That sounds like it could be good. It's citrus. Uh, so Belgian IPA. Uh, normally, whenever you see the word Belgian in front of it, it implies either one of two things, either Belgian or uh, German beer purity standards, uh, which being an IPA, this necessarily cannot be because it includes more than four ingredients, the mash, the water, the yeast. Um, but so the, the Belgian IPA, this uses a Belgian strain of yeast, uh, which the Belgian yeasts tend to be able to bring a lot more aroma with them. So they're perfectly suited to being used with an IPA, something that you're really looking for those aromatic bits and the nose. And moving into our last two, um, we have the grapefruit IPA, which I don't really believe should qualify as its own type of IPA. Um, the source that I'm using here believes it should simply because it's being used so widespread, uh, though there's a lot of criticism of the grapefruit IPA. Um, these get their name because they use grapefruit in the brewing process to get grapefruit flavor, uh, which many brewers believe is cheating when <laughs> regarding IPAs because you try and cultivate a type of hops or a yeast profile that's going to create those grapefruit notes. Whereas this is going, yeah, I made this thing that tastes like grapefruit by using grapefruit. You know, I've, I was thinking about that too, about the grapefruit IPAs. And I think, you know, technically, yes, you could do like an East Coast IPA with the hops to give it a grapefruit aroma and taste. But ultimately, like, if it tastes good, I'm going to drink it, and I don't care what it's classified as or what its um, makeup is. But that, you know, that's just me. I think a lot of brewers or, or craft beer people may may care about that more. But I'm all for some of these experimentations and new new avenues and ways of brewing beer. Oh, I completely agree with you. I think that, like... I guess one of my biggest complaints about IPAs in general 
has been so many of the big IPA fans and how, no offense to you because I know you're not this way, but how fucking pretentious they are about it. And this is coming from a guy who loves his scotch. Is he though? Like, is he not pretentious though? He's kind of pretentious. Me? Oh, I'm definitely pretentious. pretentious. That is without a question. I am pretentious. Go on, you go know, on. there's such a barrier to entry when it comes to IPAs, I feel. And it's mostly because of the people drinking them. Mm-hmm. Um, at least from my experience at the bar, I had more fun like after after my shift going to the bar, having a drink. I had more fun sitting next to the guy who wasn't drinking IPA than was. Because the person drinking the IPA, I sat down to a doctoral lecture on hops, whether or not I wanted it. <laughs> Whereas I sit down next to a guy drinking a cream ale, a sour. Sours are actually, I found my favorite people to sit next to. Sours and saisons. I am not a sour fan. I like certain ones, but the they they can be pretty hit or miss because you can go from, oh, it's a little bit tart to I'm sipping on a warhead, <laughs> and that's the the warhead style. The more I've had, I've had some that are a bit tart, and it's like you know I like that. I like that where it's a hint of sourness. It's a bite. But the full-blown warhead, you know, much like a triple IPA, even though I'm drinking a double right now, but it, it has the, the fruit and flavor. It's not as, as bitter or as overpowering. You know, I like the unique tastes and flavors, but if that's all I can taste and I'm going to taste it, you know, for the rest of the day, it's going to kind of linger with me. You should, I, I don't know. should try a green zebra. Um, or sorry. Uh, yeah, green zebra or else watermelon funk, um, which watermelon funk is a sour version of the hell or high watermelon, which the hell or high watermelon is a watermelon saison. Watermelon funk is just a sour version of it. It's a really mild sour. I would describe Ooh. it kind of like blackberry level of sour. If you've had fresh blackberries and that just tartness that they can have. And then watermelon funk is a little bit more sour on that spec or Green Zebra is a little bit more sour on that spectrum, but it's a salted watermelon. So you have the the salt notes that help to pull you out of that like sour dive. Yeah. It's not a it's not a sour. It's a ghost though. Which your one's green, a ghost? Your green zebra is a ghost. Green unless zebra's there, a ghost. Okay. Unless there's two. Is it from Founders Brewing Company? Yeah, I've seen it marketed as a sour. Interesting. Oh, yeah, it is a ghost. Yeah, it looks fantastic. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it is one of my favorite beers. Isn't a ghost just a variety of sour or like a sub? You know, I want to look that up before I say that here. A ghost... um, from what I've seen, no, it's a Kolsch. Never mind. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of ghost uh, type beers, so I don't know. Don't know too much on uh, their variety. Tang, the tang and bite of a ghost. So it doesn't sound like a. No, it kind of sounds like a sour, I suppose. Did you guys oh, here's it? what here's what I'm seeing. That ghosts taste different. Wild or sour as well. They can also have more of the tartness and a tart lemony taste. 
which comes from a different bacteria usage. They can have a bit of saltness and coriander, and the big defining taste characteristic of a ghost is that you have essentially no trace of hops. So I find it interesting that we got, you know, talking about ghosts and sours here while on IPAs, because essentially a ghost, from what I'm reading here in my limited experience, is the anti-IPA. You know, an IPA is about... (laughs) Quinn likes it because it's not IPAs. So uh, you have to actually bring us to our final variant of the IPA, which is one that's become really popular recently. And I can tell you, amongst my um, bartending friends and like big beer drinker friends, I haven't tested you on this, Ryan, but the milkshake IPA. So it's an IPA that introduces lactose similar to like a cream ale. Um, and I have, I've seen people who love IPAs just trash these. Whereas there's other people who don't really like IPAs who adore them. And I, I can say personally from my experience, I, I prefer a, a triple IPA to a milkshake IPA. Um, there, so it's an introduction of lactose and milk sugars, which actually help to change the palate of it, um, the, the mouthfeel. So you're getting something that's a little bit thicker, um, almost as if it were to have more tannins if it was a wine. Um, however, instead of having that dry, tannic mouthfeel, it's, it's a creaminess that's imparted. Um, so you're, oh. you're looking at like a bitter floral cream. So I've only had about one or two milkshake IPAs that I've tried. The one I had, I was a fan of. So there was an, a brewery called Omni in Maple Grove. Um, they that do. is one of them that I've heard is actually pretty good, is the Omni. So they are actually, they have, they have my favorite IPA, which they call the Fad. And... Wait, can I swear on here? Like how? Yeah, I've already said fucking right. four times. Okay, so it's called the fucking awesome delicious, F A D, and it is a hazy IPA, so a New England style of IPA that when you get a glass of it, you cannot look through it. It is so hazy and unfiltered that you know it's really you can't see through it at all, and it's really a a cloudy beer but you have such great flavor and aroma in there and actually at the saint cloud craft beer festival they were there and they had a variation where they added some vanilla extract and flavoring so it's hmm. think of like almost like the edge of a dreamsicle so you have some of you have the beer and you have the the creamy orange citrus and then you also have some vanilla and it is one of the best beers i've ever had my father who is not a um does not give praise very very often talks about how he likes that beer and that that's one that he likes might be one of his favorites so that circling back sounds actually pretty good to me i does Quinn's I might have to try that because I have heard amazing things about Omni. 
they are awesome. The fat is great. It's sweet. It's not what I think of as an IPA, and it's one of the ones that really helped broaden some of my tastes and horizons here by showing me, oh, wow, there can be these, and they're not just going to be these bitter, you know, extremely hoppy beers. Some of the ones that kind of won me over. Because while with the West Coast IPAs, you have more of the, the citra or citrus, it's very much the strong hop flavor, the strong bitterness. It's not as fruity or floral as an East Coast IPA. You lost, Quinn. <laughs> but jumping jumping back to the milkshake IPA that I had with Omni, they did a raspberry milkshake. So I don't know what goes into the brewing process if you're using raspberries or raspberry juice or if that's added later. Um, but it was pink and thick and it had a good flavor you know i don't know i think you have to have the right situation and the right beer for it you know just like how i talked earlier how you never want to stout in the summer or in india um i think a milkshake ipa on like a july afternoon sitting out back on a patio i could see that being perfect I could see the fruity flavors and the thickness. If you're just sitting out, you know, catching up with a friend or enjoying some some nature or outside time when it's warmer, I could see a, a milkshake IPA being very refreshing. But I haven't had a lot of personal experience with them. Have you, Quinn? You said you haven't. You've tried it once or twice, right? Uh, milkshake IPAs? Yes. I've tried a good number of them uh, because before leaving the restaurant, every week we would have a beer rep in who'd bring us three to four milkshake IPAs. And I often would taste these along with our bar staff who was making the decision on what they were going to get. And I can tell you from the days that I tasted with them, the majority of it would be oh, we're going to save this can. And then it was passed around later after that beer rep left going, isn't this fucking awful? <laughs> uh, that's something that happened a lot is we, we would, you know, we don't want to insult the beer rep, tell them that <laughs> we don't really like it. We'll go, oh, we'll pass. And then we'll save some of those beers and more people will come in for the night shift and we'll open it up and be like, try this. Just try it. <laughs> try it. They can sell this shit. Oh my god, I love it. That just that 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 makes me very happy because that's one hundred percent a restaurant industry industry thing to do. To be like, oh god, this is just fucking horrid. Eat it try now. It. You have to try it. Try some. But that being said, there were some that were really good, and like whatever we tried in milkshake IPA that was actually good. Oh, that rep heard praises for it because we were more impressed because we had been subjected to the awful ones and we're like, Oh shit, they can make it and not be terrible. Awesome. Fucking hire that company. <laughs> <laughs> I, love well, I think something that I love about craft beer, especially is the sense of entrepreneurship and trying new flavors and new things, you know, compared to big breweries. 
like Coors, Molson Coors or Budweiser or something. Oh, the where, big, the heartless ones that are just, we're going to pump out this product like 192 gallons a second, which is probably an understatement. You know, we're making four and a half percent beer here that we're going to mass produce and distribute to every bar. And, you know, I've, I've drank plenty of those beers and younger in my drinking career, but younger I like the last week. Oh, no, 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 I got, I bought all the craft beer last week. So I, I only went down to the three twelves. I never bought, but you know, the last time I bought a Budweiser or Coors, I Coors, I don't mind in the summer if it's really hot and you're going to have a few outside, but I'm not a fan. And one, one thing with the craft beer and IPA specifically, you know, you touched on this some where the guy is going to give you a hop lecture. There's very much this countercultural element of IPAs and craft beer, especially where it was, you know, going against big breweries or big machine, big corporations where you're going to be brewing some hops out on the West Coast, you know, where the the movement kind of started similar to, um, you know, similar circles to cannabis enthusiasts. So you have some crossover there of the anti-establishment counterculture mentality and then just trying new things and new variations. So and one beer that I've... Not counterculture anymore because if you look at the craft beer industry, sure, it's counter from your domestic beer industry, but that's all of craft beer. But if you look at the craft beer industry in particular, it's dominated by IPA. IPA is the isn't counterculture. It is simply the culture in it. Whereas like when I think a lot of trying to find a good stout at a bar. Oh my God. Have, have look at their, their beer list. You have say there's a hundred beers on tap, which is a lot more than anyone else will have. There's going to be like 60 of them are going to be an IPA or an EPA. And then you're going to see, you know, three saisons, four porters, and it's just going to be this dwindling list of anything but IPA. I think you know. I think you're definitely right. You're right in the the IPA movement, and everything has become so mainstream here. I'm looking back at like some of the history of brewing beer, and really the IPA popularity and big boom, especially that we've seen in the U.S. You know, it's been from like the 80s or 90s till now so even though it has progressed to the mainstream and everybody and their mother is brewing an ipa you know with that two-week brewing time it makes it really easy and even though they've boomed into the mainstream kind of their their rise to popularity was those countercultural or fringe elements bringing back this old style of beer that had had some popularity in in England and um, minor popularity in India, but really started out, you know, trying to grow their own hops and experiment like the on the West the Coast. Who saw themselves become the man in the eighties? Exactly, hundred <laughs> percent. That is the perfect analogy, you know. So I, I'm thinking more of like looking back to, you know, if you look back to like beer purity laws in Germany to the the thirteen or fourteen hundreds. And in the entire history of beer, IPAs are such a small portion of that, relatively. 
Um, but one beer that I that I just heard about last night that I was interested in was a smoothie sour or a smoothie IPA. I think they exist too, where you're using bits of fruit. So instead of just the the juice for flavoring, you're actually using bits of the mashed fruit are staying in your beer. And I've seen people pour them, and it's thick, and you can even have bits of fruit in it, which I, I've i never tried one of those. I've just, I went down the rabbit hole of watching um, brewers on YouTube talk about different variations and types of hops here as I was getting ready for for this. And have you guys heard of like smoothie smoothie beers before where you're using bits of the whole fruit no i've heard of using whole bits of the fruit before but never doing that and then not filtering it in some way to get the chunks out well and i don't i don't know how big the chunks are without trying them but just the video i saw of people pouring them you know it's like a a ruby red color for example and usually um, done like as an IPA or a sour because you can pair those fruit flavors so well. So like you'd have raspberries or blackberries and then add the add the juices or bits of the fruit to the beer later on in the brewing process or maybe in the when it's sitting fermenting. Okay. Well, so this raises a question for me. If we had to pick what type of beer we are, what kind of beer would we be? Ah, yes. Let's get to the quiz as we are like an hour and a half in now. Um, Quinn knows that this is, uh, this is how it always goes. Ryan, you know, you, you've you heard us talk about it on the show before that uh, we could set a time frame of four hours talking and we would hit five for some reason. Um, and then finish <laughs> at eight. And then finish at eight after we realized that we had hit five. Yeah. So... We'll get to our quiz. We like this is something I really like to do with all our guests because it's kind of fun. We get to get a little interactive with it. So we are taking the what type of beer quip what type of beer are you quiz? There's 10 questions. So let's get right into it. Everybody have it up? Yep. Yes. Awesome. So the first question is you're sitting, you're setting the menu for your last meal on earth. What do you choose? The four options are seafood, dessert, a comfort food. Or salad. I'm gonna start with you, Quinn. Well, I. I'm starting a lot of options. This is bad. This is a bad question for you. I want Vietnamese food, uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna say comfort food because Vietnamese food is my comfort food. Okay. Ryan, I would have to go with seafood. I love seafood. You know, like a good, a good swordfish steak or yeah. some like blackened grouper or tuna or something for my last meal. That's how I'd like to go. Probably with a beer, too, you know, on the side. Because let's be honest, if you're having your your last meal, I'd I'd love a beer, too. You know, much much like those coal miners that we talked about earlier. It just really makes it easier to process what uh, what you're having to go through. It makes it easier to cope. Jesus Christ. Get <laughs> <laughs> too dark uh, <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to say seafood, like lobster and steak is probably what I'm thinking of. Something, something kind of fancy. Like, uh, steak is not seafood. Steak. I'm adding in Quinn. There's no steak on the list. All right. You want the surf and the turf. Yeah. I want the surf and the turf, not just the surf. So 
Um, I mean, are cows really any different from land sharks? God damn it, Ryan. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> All right. Fish of the land. Question Eesh. number two. <laughs> Fish of the land? I'm going to turn your mic off. <laughs> Uh, number two, how often do you drink beer? Number one, only on the weekends. Number two, once or twice a week. Number three, daily. Uh, number four, special occasions. And number five, I prefer wine or liquor. Quinn? Uh, well, specifically, when do I drink beer? How often do you drink beer? I mean, I have one to two drinks a week normally. And beer is, if I have beer, it's going to be beer. If I don't have beer, it's not. I guess once or twice a week slash month. All right. Sounds uh, good, Ryan. So for this question, is only on, I feel like only on the weekends or once and twice a week could be reversed here. Like the same question, you mean? The same answer? You know, because then it moves up to or then there's daily or special occasions. Like I'll have beer on the weekends. If I'm going to have a drink during the week, I'm probably going to have a beer, you know, like one with dinner or something. Um, but probably, I don't know. I'm debating between once or twice a week and only on the weekends. Cause usually on the weekends, I'll have a few, a few drinks or eight, you know, <laughs> you know, these, uh, those eight and a half percent beers, they uh they sneak up on you. <laughs> Depends on your definition of a few. A few, you know. Probably uh probably I think only on the weekends fits better for your answer. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say only on the weekends. I'm I'm uh, thinking too much about it. You know, this is the the double IPA is starting to starting to kick in a little bit. You know, I haven't had a whole I haven't had any breakfast, so um yeah, I'm a little we're buzzy. Off to, we're too. off to a good start here, you know. Maybe Quinn made the right choice not drinking before noon. But uh <laughs> um I'm gonna say I prefer wine or liquor, which you guys are probably expecting, but the most um most beers that I try, I'm not gonna like drink a ton of. And I prefer my seltzers and my my uh my ciders. But if I'm from this list options, I'm probably gonna say I prefer wine or liquor. Moving on to our next question here. Your dream getaway. Oh, here we go. Our options are a tropical resort, anywhere I've never been, a European cruise, a camping trip, or to visit family and friends. Quinn. Well, it's not going to be a tropical resort because I'm built for the atmosphere of Minnesota. I don't do well in the heat. I don't like the heat. Also, I'm not a big fan of people. I also really don't like vacationers. So not a tropical resort. Um, anywhere I've never been before? Eh, sounds appealing. European cruise. If it wasn't for the cruise part, this would be my winner. Europe. But my, my <laughs> issue with vacationers is those are the only thing, the only people you're going to see on a cruise. That's true. Uh, so probably a camping trip, because ideally you camp and there's no one around. Really, it's oh. just come down to where will I see less people? 
God damn it. Okay, Ryan. So it's interesting because I feel kind of like Quinn on this one, and I love people. I love people and talking with people. I hate tourists. Oh, I like so, people. I hate vacationers. Exactly. You know, I'm 100% there. If I could just go to Europe, that'd be what I'd pick. If there was no cruise there or a tropical vacation, I'd pick that. But the resort and the, it's like this quiz goes, would you rather be, you know, on a resort or cruise with tons of people and tons of tourists or by yourself in the woods? You know, so, you know, if I could, uh, if I could go with friends and family to Europe and travel around, that'd be my choice. So I'm going to have to pick anywhere I've never been before because I like ne- seeing new things and I'm a, I like a uh, novelty. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to say anywhere I've never been as well. I, it's, uh, I want to like, I like, I, but I'm with you guys. Europe is right on the top. A tropical resort is fantastic. I don't know if you guys haven't experienced it before, but sitting next to a a free parentheses around it bar and drinking as much as you want in a pool uh, with the sun beating down is fantastic. Um, not much can beat that. I've Mex- stayed at Mexican resorts multiple times, like probably 10. I think you should try doing that, but go camping, sit in a lake where you don't have to deal with other drunk assholes. Fucking and, and drink. Who the fuck likes hey, camping? I love camping. Our idiot roommates downstairs, Ryan, they love camping. I hope they can I like hear me. camping too. Fuck camping. You know, all right. Gross. You're sleeping in a tent. Oh, it's not about the comfort and sleeping. It's about getting away from it all, being out in nature, being connected oh, to, the, nature. to the physicality and naturalness of the world. Not, um, you know, I'm all for sitting by by a pool and having drinks, but being out in the woods or being on the North Shore, checking out, you know, waterfalls and hiking and experiencing nature, I find that nourishing and it helps me reset. So I'm I'm all for the camping too. I'm just fucking with you guys. I I don't. <laughs> I I am not someone who will give up comfort that easy. Uh, when I do the um, uh, the week long two week long trip to Oshkosh to do the air show, and I have to stay in a tent, that is the worst part of that trip. And I love going out and being around the people and uh, my the, my friends there and getting around drinking around the campfire at night is great. But the comfort of having your own air conditioned hotel room is something that just resonates with me. Cause like Quinn, I am not built for the heat either. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll move on to our next question. It is in your free time, you enjoy tackling a DIY project, working out, hanging out with friends, Relaxing in front of the TV or spending time by the pool? Quinn. Well, I'm allergic to chlorine, so it's not spending time by the pool. Um, it's not working out. I'll be honest with myself. It's not that. Uh, 
over the last 12 months, uh, hanging out with friends is increasingly more what I want to do, um, <laughs> but isn't available. Uh, DIY projects, I love these, but they're more fun when I, I'm able to work on them with friends. So I guess if we're going with right now, relaxing in front of the TV. Okay, Ryan. You know, I'm... Do, 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 do. I enjoy working out. It always helps me feel reset and good. I've never, you know, I've said it before. I've never once had a workout and went and worked out and then regretted it afterwards. I've never once, you know, gone and lift, lifted or done cardio and gone like, this. that was a terrible idea. Why did I do that? I've done that plenty of times relaxing in front of the TV. You know, been plenty of times where the next day or later on, you're like, God, I wasted some time here. Mm -hmm. So in pure enjoyment, although hanging out with friends too, even though COVID has complicated that, I'm going to put working out because I find, I find a lot of enjoyment in that. I think that fits you pretty well. I think that fits you pretty well. Um, I'm not. A people person exactly uh i obviously like my friends but i need my free time in a way i spend a lot of time just relaxing in front of the tv unlike ryan uh there has been many times that i went to the gym and uh, did cardio and thought that well, that was a terrible idea i feel like trash for multiple days <laughs> and <laughs> um uh, i feel like yeah, I'm going to have to say relaxing in front of the TV. I don't do any projects. Let's work. <laughs> Very lazy. Um, moving on to another our next question. What is your preferred beer storage vessel? Oh, I like this one. Nice. Can 12-ounce bottle, 22-ounce bottle, or keg? Quinn. Well... I mean, it would be the keg if <laughs> that was economical for one person, mm -mm. but it's not. It doesn't matter, Quinn. It's your preferred storage vessel. <laughs> but my preferred needs to be practical. Uh -uh, have have you met that. me? Yeah, that's true. No, you're right. I, Kayla's family got angry at me the first Christmas I spent with them. Because they asked me what I wanted, and all I asked for were practical things, and they told me I don't understand how gifts work. <laughs> you tell them you just really wanted some new socks? I did want socks. <laughs> I love socks as a Christmas present. That's a fantastic Christmas present. The older I give well, like, my enjoyment I, of I getting for... socks for Christmas, if you graft it, it would be um, basically a giant... Yes, a giant exponential. I don't want to say it's straight, uh, straight vertical up, but you know, there's definitely some slope there because they socks stuck ass as a kid. As a kid, all I all I wanted were more Lego sets. Yep, that sounds every cool. year for you, Ryan. Um, but socks, socks suck. Now that I'm get get older. I love good socks. I got some smart wools for Christmas last year. I love those fucking things. <laughs> oh, I this year my family asked me what I wanted for Christmas, 
And every time I was like, I want socks. I want socks. I want fuzzy socks. Socks. <laughs> like, fuzzy okay, what do you want? Socks. I want fuzzy socks. <laughs> oh, okay. Anything fuzzy socks. Okay. <laughs> you want fuzzy socks. That is correct. <laughs> God damn it. Or even like right. three years ago. Do you want fuzzy socks? No, fuck that. <laughs> Maybe it's just that I'm I'm at home more. And fuzzy socks are more appealing when at home. This is true. They are. Uh, I'm going to go with a 12-ounce bottle. I think it it's just about the perfect vessel. You don't get the metallic taste that you can get with a can. It's the right size to pour into a glass on like a 22-ounce. And I don't have to worry about draining it like I do a keg. <laughs> okay, yes, Ryan. I think I think I'm right there with you. Hands suck for beer. They'd always change the flavor. The best, yep. most authentic flavor is going to be straight from the tap, and bottles are a close secondary. So I'd pick 12-ounce bottle as well. I was looking at 22-ounce bottle because I like to live on the wild side sometimes, but really I don't have any glasses that are that big that I use frequently. Ideally, I think if this, I think if this question said, what is your ideal beer storage vessel? I'd have picked keg because if money and space wasn't a constraint, that's what I'd pick. And if I didn't have to worry about having to finish it all myself for the beer going bad, um, that's what you'd pick for flavor. I'm right there with you. Um, since I don't drink beer, uh, I feel like I can do whatever I want with this question. So I'm going to pick keg. I'm going to pick keg. Um, because it is my make cakes of seltzer. Is that a yes, thing? Yes, they do. One hundred percent, they do. But it doesn't say seltzer. It says beer, which means I That's wouldn't. That's true. Drink it. I wouldn't drink it anyways. So my preferred is going to be a keg, and then I'll just throw it away when I'm done, which is wasteful. It is, but this is a hypothetical. So also, like you're losing your deposit on the keg. I meant That's the beer. I'll return the keg. Dollars out the window. I'll return the keg. With like one half drink out of it. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm physically hurting everybody who's listening. Anyways, um, you don't watch movies. You don't always watch movies, but when you do, you prefer documentaries, comedies, action films, horror movies, or sports movies. Quinn. Okay, I'm stuck in the top three. If I'm watching it with someone else, it's definitely not a documentary. It says uh, prefer, so it's just you. I prefer um, comedies. Often suck in a good way. <laughs> Go with an action movie because I know what I'm going to get, and I'm going to likely be less disappointed than picking a comedy which I'm really excited for and going, oh, that was... I laughed once. Ooh. Comedies have, as a genre have gone downhill, I think. You had a comedy boom in the 80s and then early 2000s. Now at what modern releases are dominated by, it's like action, superhero, those type of popcorn flicks versus comedies. You know, when's the last time we had a movie like Super Bad? Or something. 
Well, it's so much easier to write an action film too, like money wise. That's less true. Less time in the writer's room. Less need for an original idea. Comedies require wit and the circumstances. And you know, God, I'm either going to pick action movies or documentaries, but I feel like documentaries is such a boring choice. Even though boring. I really I like... So I love I, documentaries. Okay. I'm, I'm glad we're all on the same page here because I love documentaries, especially like nature shows and anything about like the wildlife and just like just learning about new things i like i enjoy the process of learning and understanding things so i'm gonna pick documentaries you know and not not necessarily like i like some history ones but a lot more about like current events or other cultures or nature and wildlife that's what i fuck with really for documentaries Oh, let's see. I watch a lot of TV, which Ryan can atone to. So that is true. I've seen a lot of movies and shows and stuff like that. So I've I've delved into I I love sports movies. I love comedies. I love documentaries. Not a huge action film fan. It just doesn't get me going like I'll watch a few of them. I do not enjoy superhero movies at all uh horror films no um i'm gonna say comedies but like i am i I like romantic comedies go fuck yourselves just how i am um so (laughs) that's more like where i lean to when i'm picking something but i'm gonna say comedies because it falls under that genre And uh, we're at question seven of this uh, 45-minute quiz we're taking. You're at a bar when you accidentally, somebody accidentally bumps into you, spilling your beer. Oh, boy. How drunk are you? That's the first question. Okay, that's 100%. (laughs) And 90% of the time, I'm picking number two. Calmly accept the person's apology. You know, it's those days when you've had these eight and a half percents or those 10 percent double or triple IPAs that you turn around and start yelling, you know, (laughs) some of the times maybe even spilled the beer yourself, you know, how often are you? (laughs) Um, But I'm going to pick number two where you calmly accept their apology because that's what I'd go with for nine out of 10 times. It's just so you, you hope you don't run into me on that one day. So our options are going to be turn around and start yelling, which is one out of 10 for Ryan. And then calmly accept the person's apology, which is nine out of 10 for Ryan. Laugh it off, which would be maniacally insane. Walk up to the bar and order another, which is also kind of crazy uh, or make a sarcastic comment. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask Quinn, but I don't even, Quinn, do you even remember what it's like to drink around people? (laughs) I, I do. And I can tell you, I've never once turned around and yelled at someone in a bar unless they were never because they've done something to me. Only when they're fucking with someone I I know and are just mm-hmm. being a genuinely bad person uh, have I yelled at them. But generally, it's the I don't like yelling at people because it only escalates situations. Uh, calmly accept their apology. I've never been apologized to by someone at a bar who's done that, so I can't pick that. 
because I have no proof that they can apologize. Really? Yeah. No, like I've, I've been in some very packed bars and I've definitely had my drink spilled on me by someone and them apologizing has not appeared to be an option that they are willing to accept. Uh, Laugh it off, maybe. Probably just walk to the bar and order another one now that my drink has been spilled. Probably going to go with just deal with it and go to the bar and order another. Because that seems on brand for me. You know, that was the other choice that I was considering. It it also depends where you are on the spectrum of drunkness. I think that is huge how drunk you are and the, and the person how drunk the person who bumps into you is that's true if, if, they're, like, being, if they're being a twat about it oh i'm 100 percent gonna get into some altercation if i'm drunk enough because <laughs> yeah i don't like backing down or feeling like i'm getting stepped on and especially uh especially drunk that's uh that's the thing you know if i'm if i'm with friends and somebody bumps me i'm probably gonna laugh it off or uh, I would like to add a choice of making them order you another one. That's what I would. If somebody spills my drink, you know, and not just like a little bit slides out the top. Like we're talking somebody bumps you from the back, knocks over your whole 16 ounce pint glass that you just got filled and it falls on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be I'm going to want a new drink probably. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I just don't believe humans are accountable enough to do that, which I believe is proven by our inability to wear fucking masks. Sorry, not bitter. Yep. Yep. I think I think it's been a long time since you were at like a bar because, okay, so I think there's very few times that I was at like, say, Cowboys when uh, we were at college in St. Cloud. I think that there were very few times that if somebody had bumped into and got their drink spilled and the person who's had drink was spilled didn't turn around and shove them because that's obviously <laughs> something that would happen. Oh, if they oh, didn't do Cowboys, that right? I got yelled at by someone who spilled my drink. Oh, my God. Which that's so disappointing because every yeah. time that I've seen something like that, I just want to respect the person to go, oh, shit, dude. I'll buy you a new drink right now. It's two dollars. Like it's not. No, I got yelled I'll at for being right in now. their walking path while standing oh, next to the bar, literally resting on the bar. <laughs> okay, Quinn, you've met some shittier people than me. I guess. I, yep. Good God, I, I might. There might be a reason why I like going camping and getting away from people. <laughs> Bad luck with people. Um. I want to say I wouldn't turn around and start yelling, but I'd probably turn, turn around, around and start yelling. <laughs> I'd be like, what the fuck, dude? And then their reaction would base off how I finished that conversation. <laughs> um, I really, like I said, I don't want to say I'm going to turn around and start yelling, but I'm definitely going to turn around pissed. Like, I'm not just going to be like, yo. It's okay, man. It's just a just a drink. I'll be like, dude, two dollars I paid for this. You're buying me another drink, is exactly what I would say. So, <laughs> so it depends how bad the line is to get another drink. Because if you just waited in line for 15 minutes and then you get your drink spilled, I'm oh. definitely gonna be furious. 
Yeah, and oh, hopefully they just be like, oh shit, here's two bucks, dude. Go get yourself another one. Like <laughs> that's what I expect to happen. But also, people like Quinn's talking about exists, so that's not good. Um, when you're not drinking beer, your beverage of choice is water, soda. Oh God, I ugh, I said it out loud. Water, pop, liquor, and the last option is coffee or tea. Quinn. Uh, when I'm not drinking beer, I mean, overall, the one I'm going to consume the most of is water. So I'm going to pick water. Ryan. I'd probably pick water as two, but if it's before like 1130 AM, it's most likely coffee, but the majority of my beverages consumed would be water or beer. Yeah. I drink a lot of water. I try to at least drink a lot of water. Um. So I'm going to pick that as well. Question number nine is pick your favorite beer quote. The first one is most people hate the taste of beer to begin with. It is, however, a prejudice. Number two is beer. It's the best damn drink in the world. Number three is beers intellectual. What a shame so many idiots drink it. Number four is it's a lot easier to start the day when you know it will end with beer. And number five is beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. I have heard that last quote so many times. I've heard that one before. I really like almost contrived now, but it's a shame. Idiots drink it. (laughs) God damn it. I like that one. I like. I do kind of like it's a lot easier to start the day when you know we'll end with beer. I You and Andrew, why don't you start on this one? Oh, I thought you had said yours already, Quinn. Yeah, I'll start. Um beer's intellectual, what a shame so many idiots drink it. I there's I mean, I don't like beer that much, although I'm going to kill myself for admitting this, but Ryan, Ryan, I finished that entire can. It was very good. Did you? Oh, I'm so proud. And the reason, (laughs) and the reason I liked it is because it's it's dry as hell. And uh, oh god, I love dry drinks. I don't know why. I don't understand it. It started when I lived in England, and I can't get away from it. Anything that's a dry leaves a dry taste in your mouth. it, It, I, I will gravitate toward it. So it sounds to me like you should try the Negroni, a, a dry I and bitter drink. So much. I ha- Like I said, I have to try it in a real restaurant, but I'm not paying 15 bucks for it. Anyways, Quinn, what was your quote? <laughs> I'm going to go with, not so much that I agree with beer is intellectual, but it's a shame that so many idiots drink it. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted there as well. I think that's what I got to go with. All right, we'll move on to our last question here. Um, uh, oh God, how long have you been into beer? Uh, I just started drinking beer long enough to know what I like. So long that I started brewing my own. <laughs> oh, Quinn, <laughs> I just yep, like yep, to enjoy a cold one every now and then. So Quinn's answer is obviously so long that I started brewing my own. Ryan, what would you like to pick? Long here? enough to know what I like. 
But after I went down the rabbit hole of YouTube videos of different types of hops and brewing, I really kind of want to brew my own. So I am inching closer down the list. Uh, Ryan, if you want to talk sometime, I, I have resources in the cities you can go to and they'll they'll get you set up. Ooh, that would be a lot of fun. Also, so much cheaper. Like, I just think it'd be fun to experiment with, like, some different hops and try to get different flavors. You know, now that I know what I really like in IPAs, try and replicate the taste profiles that I like and enjoy. And just, it seems like it could be fun. But I also don't know if I have the, well, I probably have the patience for it. Is it my turn? Um, I haven't started. Yeah, long enough to know what I like. I'm gonna go with that one. I mean, that probably fits the most bill, uh, considering I worked at a brewery and I do know what I like for the most part. Even if I'm not willing to admit it all the time, if it's okay, and I definitely don't want like ten of any beer or even three. But are we all? Do we get every money? Yeah. I think so. So now we get the results. Yeah. Get results. God damn it. There's a survey. I'm so sorry. Just click never. Oh, it's just demographics. None of the above. Prefer not to say. Prefer not to say. I'm just clicking the nearest one to my mouse. (laughs) Okay. I'll wait till everybody gets there. Oh, I just said I like gluten-free pasta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm vegan now. <laughs> Ryan, did you make it yet? I'm working through it. It's asking me about my protein shake usage. Stop answering the questions honestly, you two. God damn it. Okay. I will start with what I type of beer. I am not answering honestly at all. <laughs> I will start. Answer. I will start. Um, uh, what type of beer am I? I'm a Heffenweizen. Uh, I think I said that right. Hefeweizen. 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 Okay. Um, light and refreshing. You're the easygoing friend. <laughs> lie. That everyone loves to have around the pool or backyard barbecue. Also a lie. Um, and way to be the life of the party. What the f- Jesus? This is way off. Okay. Um, yeah. oh, there's five answers. It's half of Eisen, IPA, Stout, Saison, and Pilsner. So did you guys get through them? Yep. Asking yes. me about my household's income before God taxes. Damn it, Ryan. Stop. Just, uh, just click Quinn. on things. Quinn, you're you're up. Uh, I got Saison with an electric taste in your own style. You much the beat of your own drum, even though you may rub some the wrong way. You, you keep true to yourself and play by your own rules. Damn, that's spot on. <laughs> I guess that's accurate enough. I got Saison as well. Hey, Saison's for the win. There we go. So I also good. just... Because of the episode, I wanted to click the IPA one just to see what the results were. And they said, intense and a little bit like a punch to the mouth. You have quite the personality. You're definitely an acquired taste. Which, you know, that that's pretty fitting for IPAs. I 100% believe they're an acquired taste. 
you know, a lot of the mainstream ones are the first ones you try you may not like, but maybe like Andrew, you'll find that surprisingly you finished the can don't, and don't tell me this. Don't remind me that I finished that can. I hate you. You drank a whole IPA, Andrew, I and I have you. never been prouder of you. I'm gonna throw myself out this window. <laughs> um, I want to share the stout because I think this fits me on a key on a T, and I think that's funny because I clicked on stout because I was like, oh, this is what I should be, right? Uh, indulgent and full of personality, you have big opinions and no problem sharing what you think. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> so I was like, yep, I have no problem sharing what I think. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's usually the show. Ryan, Quinn, do you have anything else you want to add? No. No. Okay. Um, Ryan, this is usually where I leave like a last kind of thing. If you want to add anything that you didn't get to about IPAs, um, maybe another one of your favorites or anything like that, or just kind of wrap it up and then uh, we'll get on out of here. Oh, really? You know, it's been great being on here and talking about IPAs and researching and looking into some of the types and what I liked just helped me understand my own preferences better. And I, you know, would strongly encourage any listeners to try an IPA, you know, maybe try a juicy with some of the lighter flavors because so much of the time you're thinking of the strong hops and bitterness, which is a key component. But as we've talked about today, there's so many other varieties of beer. You know, I I don't know if I believe there's somebody who can 100% be against beer because there are just too many varieties and styles. So work to find one that you like and experiment around. And if it's not your thing, then, you know, just drink your seltzers, I guess. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> You little Thank bitch. you so much God. for having me here. <laughs> I regret this decision. <laughs> Ryan, you're welcome anytime. Don't listen to him. He's lying. I run the show. <laughs> Ryan, I'll give you a fake mustache. We can make it work. Oh, you can come on with a fake mustache. Ooh. To our non-visual medium. <laughs> you know... I was always told that I had a great face for podcasts. <laughs> I, I've i been told a similar thing. I have a face for radio and a voice for silent film. Oh, that hurts. Oh, that's good, too. That hurts. Um, well, thank you guys so much for today. It's been an absolute pleasure, Ryan. I'm not lying. And uh, hopefully we can find another way to get you on the, on the show. I don't know what else you're... Uh, uber into that we haven't already uh touched on but maybe we'll bring you on for some more beer talk and maybe with some other guests too that we have for our beer uh beer tasting type episodes we've got going on here uh but thank you both for coming on as always um remember to drink responsibly everyone if you're going to go out and have a few make sure you have a ride home and you are not drinking and getting behind the wheel and make sure if you ever are realize you have a problem or anybody you know has a problem reach out to the national hotline for alcohol it's in our first 15 episodes i think at the that very number end. is 1-800-662-4357 perfect and if you have a problem or a friend has a problem you can reach out to this hotline they can help you as they can 
And remember that it doesn't make you any less of a person to reach out for help. Everybody has their vices. And sometimes we take a step over a line that we didn't intend to. So again, thank you so much for listening. Drink responsibly. Thank you, Ryan, for being on. It's been a great day. And you too have a wonderful rest of your day. And everybody listening, have a great rest of your week. And we'll listen. We'll hear from you or you'll hear from us next week. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a good one.